Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to the fourth episode of this thermodynamics series. Today, we shall discuss about the concept of enthalpy. Enthalpy is a very important function in chemical thermodynamics because enthalpy change is equivalent to heat transferred to a system at constant pressure in the isobaric process. As most chemical reactions are carried out at constant pressure, this makes enthalpy very useful. Think about reactions in a beaker or in an uh, open flask. So even though some of the processes are not isobaric, it is artificially made uh, to be isobaric because this is quite a desirable process. And the main reason for this is that it is safe. So consider uh, in a liquid nitrogen tank. So nitrogen doesn't want to be in its uh, liquid form at room temperature. So it uh, constantly converts back to its gaseous form. And when nitrogen converts back to its gaseous form, pressure is exerted on the nitrogen tank. So there's always a valve on the nitrogen tank to release that pressure. So the pressure doesn't become dangerously hot. And I've heard of a story of the malfunction of the valve on the nitrogen tank, which led to disastrous outcome. So the pressure just kept building up in the nitrogen tank and eventually it went off and it destroyed the construction beam uh, in the building and destroyed uh, many things in, in the laboratory. And when chemists are performing liquid-liquid extractions, they've been told to open a valve once in a while to release that pressure. So the pressure inside the separating funnel matches the uh, pressure outside the separating funnel, which is just uh, atmospheric pressure. So if uh, the chemists don't release that pressure regularly, the pressure can build up very quickly in the separating funnel. And if that exceeds the threshold value of the glassware can withstand, so the glassware could explode. And then not only the glass shards could pierce your hand and your finger, the liquid inside the separating funnel is quite often toxic and corrosive, and you never want to get those liquid uh, on your face. So this makes enthalpy a very useful state function because chemistry is always performed under constant pressure condition. Let's now consider the relation between enthalpy and heat transferred to a system at constant pressure. So enthalpy is defined as the internal energy of the system plus the product of its pressure and volume. So H equals to U plus PV. So the differential form of this would be dH equals to du plus d of PV. We can then substitute in the first law of thermodynamics its differential form and apply a product rule to the second term. So I get dH equals to d bar Q plus d bar W plus PdV plus VdP. Because the system is at mechanical equilibrium, we can substitute in minus PdV for d bar W. And the second and the third term cancels out with each other. And we can also impose the constraint of constant pressure because the process is isobaric. So the last term evaluates to zero. We can now write dH equals to d bar Q sub P. And if we integrate both sides, we get delta H equals to Q sub P. And the subscript P indicates the pressure is constant and the process is isobaric. 
And this is a very important relation, because if we know the amount of heat released by a reaction, we can directly determine the enthalpy change of a reaction. Let's now consider heat capacities and the relation between them. So constant volume heat capacity, Cv, is defined as partial U by partial T holding the volume constant. And you might wonder, where's the heat in this? Because there's internal energy, there's temperature, but there's no heat. But remember, heat transferred to a system at constant volume equals to the change in internal energy of the system. So this partial derivative can be rewritten as d bar qv by dt. We can define constant pressure heat capacity similarly using enthalpy instead of internal energy. So Cp equals to partial H by partial T holding the pressure constant, which equals to d bar qp by dt. As we just derived, heat transferred at constant pressure equals to the change in enthalpy of the system. Let's now consider the relation between these two heat capacities. So if we subtract Cv from Cp and substitute in the definition for these two heat capacities, we get Cp minus Cv equals to partial H by partial T holding pressure constant minus partial U by partial T holding the volume constant. And we can substitute in the definition for enthalpy. So we get partial of U plus PV by dt at constant P minus partial U by partial T holding the volume constant. We can now expand the bracket. So we get partial U by partial T at constant P plus partial of PV by partial T at constant P minus partial U by partial T at constant V. We know for an ideal gas, there's only kinetic contribution to the internal energy. And also from now on, I'll refer ideal gas as perfect gas, because in the ideal system, the interaction between molecules are all the same. But for a perfect gas, the interaction between molecules are in fact zero. So internal energy is purely a function of temperature, and this is a single variable function we saw quite a lot in secondary school. We also know the perfect gas equation of state is PV equals nRT. So what this does to our result is that it turns all the partial derivatives into total derivatives. And we can also substitute in PV for nRT. So we get du by dt plus d of nRT by dt minus du by dt. We can then cancel out the first and the last term. And if we differentiate nRT with respect to T, we get nR. So Cp minus Cv equals nR. And this is a very useful relation, because if we know one heat capacity, we can calculate the other heat capacity for a perfect gas by simply adding and subtracting nR away. And because R is a positive constant, 8.314, and N is a positive number because it is a amount of gas in mole. So Cp is always greater than Cv. And if you think about the reason behind this, uh, is that all the heat transferred to a system in an isochoric process is used 
to raise the internal energy of the system. Whereas for isobaric process or constant pressure process, heat transferred to a system can be used to do work. So the temperature rise or the internal energy rise is not as much as the temperature rise in the isochoric process. And this explains why CP is always greater than CV. Quite often in chemistry, it is impossible to determine the reaction enthalpy of a reaction. Consider your daily common table salt, which is a matrix of sodium plus ion and chloride minus ion. And in order to dissociate this ionic lattice into its uh, gaseous ions, which is just uh, sodium plus ions and chloride minus anions, you need to put in a lot of energy. But the amount of energy you put into this system is not possible to be determined directly. So there's something called the Hess's law, which helps to determine the energy of dissociation of this ionic lattice. So the Hess's law states, the reaction enthalpy is the sum of the reaction enthalpies of the individual reactions that a reaction may be divided. In other words, enthalpy is path independent and enthalpy is a state function. And if you think about the definition for enthalpy, it should make a lot of sense because enthalpy is defined as the internal energy of the system, which is a state function, plus the product of its pressure and volume, which are also both state functions. And in uh, chemical thermodynamics, you can often see a rather strange symbol. It's a circle with a horizontal line crossing it out. And this is known as a Plimsoll symbol. And this denotes uh, the quantity is at a standard state. And the standard state of a substance at a specified temperature is its pure form at 1 bar pressure, or 100 kilopascal pressure, which is very close to one atmosphere. Let's now consider the variation of reaction enthalpy with temperature. So let's start off by the definition of constant pressure heat capacity, which is defined as partial H by partial T at constant P. And if we now multiply through by dt on both sides, we get Cp dt equals to partial H by partial T, holding the pressure constant times dt equals to dH. And you can verify this for yourself by considering enthalpy H as a function of temperature and pressure. So what the subscript P of the partial derivative does is that it eliminates the other contribution to the total differential of dH. We can now integrate both sides from T1 to T2. So we get the integral from T1 to T2 of dH equals to the integral from T1 to T2 of Cp dt. So we get enthalpy evaluated at T2 minus enthalpy evaluated at T1 equals to the integral from T1 to T2 of Cp dt. We can now add enthalpy evaluated at T1 on both sides. So we get h of T2 equals to h of T1 plus the integral of T1 to T2 of Cp dt. And you can think about any reaction and apply this equation to every single species involved in the reaction. And also apply the definition of standard reaction enthalpy, which is defined as the sum over all species J 
of the stoichiometric number, nu j, which is positive for products and negative for reactants, times the corresponding standard molar enthalpy, which is the same as the sum of all products of the standard molar enthalpy multiplied by the stoichiometric coefficients minus the sum of all reactants of the standard molar enthalpy multiplied by the corresponding stoichiometric number. And you can also define standard reaction constant pressure heat capacity similarly as the sum over j of nu j cpm plimsa of j which is the same as the sum over products of the standard molar constant pressure heat capacity multiplied by the corresponding stoichiometric number minus the sum over reactants of the constant pressure standard molar heat capacity multiplied by the stoichiometric number. So we get standard reaction enthalpy evaluated at T2 equals to the standard reaction enthalpy evaluated at T1 plus the integral of standard reaction constant pressure heat capacity times dt. And this is known as the Kirchhoff's law. So if you know the standard reaction enthalpy at any temperature, and this is normally the room temperature, which is 298 Kelvin, and you know the heat capacity of every single species involved in the reaction, you can calculate the standard reaction enthalpy at any other temperature T2. Subscribe and stay tuned for the next episode on the second law of thermodynamics. We'll also introduce the concept of entropy, which may seem mysterious to some of you, but will unravel its mystery in the next episode.